Jesus Christ. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. How many say that David is a liar? Amen. We are happy to be here. God bless you. I see the father in law to Brother Moyo over there. Amen. Just wave your hand, say so that they may see you. Amen. It's just 1060, I'm told. Amen. You must just share with us what he is eating. Because he is looking young, he doesn't look 60. Amen. God bless you richly. Amen. It's just something that I wanted to say to the believers. Because we are at a prime location. And people normally see the board written Lighthouse Tabernacle. If somebody comes to the church and asks you for money, refer them to the elders. Are we together? Amen. Amen. The elders they are equipped. They've got a sense of discernment. They can know whether if a need is genuine or not genuine. Are we together? Amen. Amen. Because sometimes people take, care, take advantage of a church. But Brother Brandon says the church is responsible for? The church is responsible for? Amen. So a visitor doesn't just stagger into church and say, I need money. So if, if you encounter such, just take the person to the deacons or the trustees or bring them to the pastor's office who will look into their matter. Amen. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is because we we see an escalation of such incidences and we, we just want to nip them in the butt, as they normally say. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're together. Amen. I hope you'll cooperate with me on that one. Without waste of time, let us turn to our Bibles, to the book of Genesis. I don't know, you know, you know there is a there is a season for everything. You know that there is a season for everything. Amen. Certain blessings have got their own seasons. Uh, I don't know. I think we are. I heard Brother Mpanya speaking about a Thanksgiving. Here of Brother Moyo, and uh, I'm quite convinced that we are in a season where God is giving people for jobs that they don't qualify for, but He qualifies them for. Are we together? Are you here, church? 
or is it only me seeing that season? Amen. I was speaking to Brother Chetty, he was telling me that by the grace of God, he said, Pastor, you know, I've got no qualifications, but I've got some mechanical engineers reporting to me. Hallelujah. It is God's grace. Amen. Brother Moyo, Brother Lucky was retrenched, and God reversed the retrenchment, they rehired him. You know, after they've rehired him, they even gave him a better salary than when he was employed. Uh, hallelujah. So if you trust God, there is a reward at the end of that trusting. Brother Moyo told me as well, he didn't have qualifications, but God ignored the qualifications and said, this is your job. And he got it. If it's meant to be, it shall be. You just commit it to the almighty God. I don't know. Do you believe these things? <laughs> Amen. Do you believe that God takes care of our needs? Amen. So I hope you believe that one. And then if you've got a need, you can, you can piggyback on that one and say, if he has done it for that brother, God, you had much better do it for me. Amen. I don't want to, uh, uh, to rely on somebody's testimony. I need my personal testimony. Amen. Look, with God, he doesn't care whether you're a foreign and how many South Africans are looking for that job. He, he, he bypasses nationalities. Amen. Favor is not fair. Favor is not fair. Amen. A lot of times when you receive favor is because somebody can look at it and say, why me? Why him? Amen. But you can say, if, not, if it's not me, then who else should it be? Hallelujah. Are you here, believers? Amen. I expected much better amen than that one. Amen. Don't be quiet on me this morning. Amen. Where do we start? Uh, I want to speak even before I read the text about the season of possession. The season of possession. Amen. And, and sometime, I hope if I bring these testimonies, you don't feel comfortable. I believe in people breaking about their gods. You've got to break about your God. Amen. You, you know, the, the reason sometimes uh, we believers are not influential and impactful is because we are too silent about what God is doing. But the unbelievers, they really break. Amen. So it's not wrong to break about your Lord. Amen. Can I get an amen from the Holy Church? Amen. All right. Let's read the scripture here. Uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 15. 
Genesis 22, verse 15. If you found it, it reads in this manner. Or maybe let's read all of us there on the screen. Uh, don't worry. I understand some people normally they, they think, is there somebody that needs a Zulu interpreter? Everybody hears English in this church. Amen. So we have checked. Amen. And for some reason, when God does some certain things, he, he does prepare. He, he prepares you. Amen. I was traveling with Sister Maria coming from uh, when we went to visit Pastor Hannes' church. And on our way, we're together with my wife. And she asked the question, when you interpret, who are you interpreting to? And I, I thought, I said, goodness, the people that came to mind, I understood that they, they really understand English. Amen. So I couldn't tell her why we were interpreting. Now, when Brother Maliko came here to preach, he was at my house the night before. He said, me, Mfunisi, I hope you'll bear with me. I speak my mind. Tomorrow I don't need an interpreter. I say, goodness, because if you are a visiting pastor, you rely on the host. <laughs> no, I said, but we've got to have. Then he said, okay, fine. In the morning he said, I don't need one. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And I think God was preparing me. Yes. Hallelujah. Are we together? Yes. Let's read it there. We are not made out of running material. God prepares us. Amen. Amen. Genesis 22, verse 15. Okay. You, you know, I'm not into sport, but there are some sports fanatics. Amen. If you can, whatever popular teams that are there, if you can say, here is the manifesto or a mission statement for Leeds, and let's read it there. They will read it with some oomph, because they believe in that one. Can, can, I, can I have some enthusiasm when we read these things? Because it's, you've got to see yourself in the scripture. When you read and see yourself, it, is, it must excite you. Let's read it today. I didn't hear that one. We will... Let's read that one. 
of the earth shall be blessed but in thy seed that seed shall carry blessings wherever it goes do you believe that this morning and maybe before we even kick start our sermon you had much better believe that you are Abraham's seed and you can say devil that's my script That's my promise. That's what I believe in. And I possess that this morning. Amen. Amen. Genesis 24, verse 58 until 61. We'll read again on the screen. Yes, we can read it. And they called Rebecca. And they called Rebecca and said unto them, Will thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebecca and her sister, and her parents, and her servants, and his men. And they dressed Rebecca and said unto them, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed. Just by deciding to follow a man, the blessings came upon them. Amen. Amen. uh, We are not ashamed to say we are following a man. Malachi 4, vindicated prophet, messenger. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that. Because Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Brother Branham says, follow me. Follow me. As I follow Christ. Amen. Amen. And Moses said, follow me as I follow the pillar of fire. Hallelujah. God will always have a man leading. Hallelujah. But check if it's vindicated. Amen. Uh, Just the last one. Galatians 3 verse 29. Just only verse 29. Yes, and if ye be, if ye be Christ, Amen. We are Abraham's seed as we bow our heads. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we've read a scripture this morning. And we believe in what we have read. Because it was not written by man, it was written by the Almighty God. You said you are not a man, you cannot lie. You put these things in the scriptures because they are the truths. And this morning we believe in these truths. 
and help us this morning to embrace whatever you want to speak to us. Everything that you are going to speak here, let it find a dwelling place. So that when we leave this place, all the believers must be victors in their own right. As I've mentioned to the church, we are speaking about, about a season of possession. And Lord, I believe you are looking not for the professors, but for the possessors. People that can say, what we speak about, we have it. And what we preach about it, we have it. And this morning, I believe this is the right season. And help us and bring that realization on every bright member to realize that we've got to possess the gates of the enemies. And this morning, I commit to the reading of the way to you. Circumcise my lips. Circumcise their ears. I'm relying on you this morning as I commit everything to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. While you take your seats. Amen. All right. Amen. Maybe another scripture that I, I, we can just, I can read it from here is then Daniel 7, verse 18. Daniel 7, verse 18. He found it written this manner, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. And possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Do you believe that this morning we shall receive the kingdom, with the dominion? Amen. As I spoke, uh, I want to speak about uh, possession. Amen. You know, you can never correctly speak about what you do not possess. You can never testify about what you have never experienced. You can never be an eyewitness of something that you have never experienced. The, the greatest stumbling block in the end time is that We've got people that can speak about something, but yet they have never experienced it. And whenever there is a gap between knowledge and experience, that gap, it makes a lot of people to stumble. Amen. Sometimes you can confuse one's knowledge, but you can never confuse one's experience. You can attempt to take one's knowledge, but you can never take one's experience. Are you with me this morning? And when I say we are speaking about a time or the season of possession, I'm inspired by this quotation that uh, where the prophet speaks in the message, Hear ye him, he says this way, 
Let me say this, if you count me a fanatic from this night on, that, let it be. That very same thing that I'm speaking of will be done. There will be a power put into the church. And now is coming in that the Holy Spirit will so anoint the people till they will speak the word and it will create itself right there. We haven't seen powers like this coming into the church. I know for it as a fact. That's what the prophet speaks about. Hallelujah. I don't know how many believe that we are in that season where the power has been put into the church, where the Holy Spirit has anointed the people till they will speak the word, and the word will create itself right there. Do you believe that one? Hallelujah. That means the creator will have little creators upon the face of the earth. Amen. But going back to our text, Abraham was called by God and was given a promise by the Almighty God in his senior years that he shall receive a son. And Abraham, after he had received the promise, the Bible says he staggered not on the promise. For 25 years he held on to God's promise. Every year, the faith of Abraham became more and more stronger, which tells you that his seed will be exactly like him. If God gives a promise, they will hold on to the promise. And every year, their faith in the promise will get stronger and stronger. Are you with me this morning? Now, after 25 years, then God came to visit Abraham and to confirm the promise that he had given to him many years back and say, according to the time of uh, life, I will return and thy wife Sarah shall have a son. And we know what happened to this Sarah behind God in the tent. She laughed in her heart until God saw what was going on in her heart and said, why is thy wife Sarah laughing? You couldn't blame Sarah because she was more advanced in years. And being more advanced in years, it it didn't dawn on her that in her old age she could receive a son. Are we together? But after he received the son, which was a promised son, naturally speaking, God comes again and says, you need to take the son and you need to make a sacrifice for me and thy son shall be a sacrifice. I mean, it would appear very unfair that after God had made a promise and after the man of faith never staggered on the promise and after he had received the son when he was happy, God comes and says, now it's time for you to sacrifice thy son. But again, Abraham never doubted God. Hallelujah. You know why he never doubted God? I I normally call it the unfolding of his own revelation. 
Because to him, he thought, if God had given me a son in my senior years, should I kill the son? The same God that gave me the son in my senior years has got the power to raise the child from the dead. Are you with me? Are you here, church? Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And when God said that, Abraham never doubted. He quietly took Isaac aside together with the servant and said, we need to go and make the Lord a sacrifice. And they moved, they took the journey, and along the journey, they realized that actually they did not have the lamb to offer the sacrifice for the Lord with. And they asked Abraham and said, but because we don't have a lamb, what is going to happen? Abraham said, the Lord shall provide himself with a sacrifice. Hallelujah. Though, though he spoke those words, naturally speaking, but I believe that every scripture or every verse in the Bible has got a compound meaning. Naturally speaking, he believed that God will provide himself a sacrifice. But we know that those words were prophetic because they were speaking about the coming of the Messiah as well. Are you with me? And when, when they went and got to a place where they had to sacrifice, the Bible says when they came across a certain spot, when they came at that spot, he said to the servants, remain here. The son and I will go up there and offer a sacrifice and we shall return. I don't know why Abraham could have said the Lord will provide a sacrifice for himself. And later he comes, he says, we will return. Who told him that they would return? I believe that Abraham's faith was so strong that he believed in the resurrection of Isaac even before the death of Isaac. Hallelujah. Now, when they went up and got up to the mountain top, Abraham was not taking chances. He showed commitment to whatever he wanted to be done or whatever God had requested to be done. He took the sword and waved the sword over the head of his son, ready to kill his own son. And when he was ready, I mean, the Bible says the angel held Abraham's hand, which tells me that the reason he held Abraham's hand, Abraham's hand was in motion to commit the act in obedience to the word of God. This morning, I wonder how many of us in the building have got such commitment when it comes to the Almighty God. And, as a, and, a, and, a, and as time goes by, it dawned on me that sometimes people don't get results in their lives because some of us as pastors, we, 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 are, 
we are, we are very, how can I put it? We are very accommodative of people's feelings to tell the people the truth. And because we give superficial solutions, we get superficial results. Hallelujah. What am, I, what am I talking about when I speak in this manner? A lot of times, you find that a person is not really committed to God. You find that a person is not really committed to the word of God. But yet, they need the result. And when they come to you as a pastor, instead of telling them that, look, I think there is a problem, we normally say, we'll pray for you. For you. Let me say certain things. Sometimes prayer can work, but prayer sometimes requires you to change certain things before prayer can bring results. I don't know how many believe that one. I mean, if you are an unbeliever, you've got to repent in order for God to be interested in your affairs. Are you here, believers? And I want to put it across that sometimes, as time goes by, we'd much better be honest with the people sometimes to say, maybe the reason you are in this trouble is because your conduct before the problem was this. You were actually attracted to this problem. But in order for you to move out of this problem, you've got to change your thinking. You've got to change how you live. Are we together? I hope you're with me here. But Abraham demonstrated commitment to the Lord. An angel withheld his hand. And after the angel had withheld his hand, he turned around. Then he saw a ram. Hallelujah. And you might say, maybe, I mean, if it was a lot of us that were in Isaac's place, we could have easily said, goodness. He almost tried to kill me. I'm done with this old man. But God, whenever he wants you to do something, he will manage the process for you. He will manage the reactions for you. Isaac never hated Abraham based on what Abraham wanted to do. It actually strengthened the faith of Isaac in the almighty God. Are you with me? Now, when he turned around and saw a ram, he went over and they took the ram and he said, the Lord shall provide a sacrifice. Those words came true. The Lord provided himself a sacrifice. But the the commitment of Abraham made God to utter prophetic words and to say, Abraham, and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. And he said, by myself I have sown. Because when you make an oath, you've got to swear by somebody that is above you. And when there was nobody that was above the Lord, the Lord saw by himself. And he said, because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, Because you have shown this commitment. Because you have shown this faith. Because you were unshaken in what you believed in. That in blessing, 
I will bless thee. In multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. These words were uttered even before generations that came before Isaac could come into the scene. And I believe, or before I get there, I believe the victories of Abraham's seed will not depend on their efforts, but will depend on the prophecy behind their lives. Are you here with me? Now, when we come to Rebecca, Rebecca had a strange meeting. He meets Eliezer, a man that she had never met before. And the man tells Rebecca that she, he was sent by his master to look for a wife for his son. And Rebecca took the man to, his, to her household. And when they got there, as they were speaking and the man was narrating the journey, and they turned around and said, but we can never make a decision for Rebecca. The best thing that we can do is to call Rebecca. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, will thou go with this man? A man that she was, was not known to Rebecca, a man that she, she had never met before, a man that intended to take her to a place where she had never gone before, a man that wanted him, her to marry a man that she had never met before. But by faith, Rebecca said, I will go. And when she uttered these words, then they sent away Rebecca, their sister, her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions. Let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Hallelujah. There, there will be hatred against the seed of Abraham. There will be persecution against the seed of Abraham. But the prophetic word said, they shall possess the gates of their enemies. And Rebekah arose and her damsel and the road upon the camels and followed the men. And the seven took Rebekah, and they went away. Now, later, we see Abraham's seed. They saw Janet into the land of Egypt, and they stayed in the land of Egypt for 400 years. And when they were in Egypt for 400 years, them being in bondage never negated or took away the effect of this prophecy. This prophecy still stood. Are you still with me? No matter what Pharaoh could do, he could have never taken them off the scene because there was a prophecy behind their lives. Are we together? And actually, it was not the rod of Moses that delivered them from Egypt. It was the prophecy that was spoken many years even before they could sojourn in the land of Egypt. It was not the skill of Joshua that brought the walls of Jericho to crumble down. But it was a prophecy that was spoken. 
behind the Israelites because they were the children of Abraham. Are you still with me? And if we move along, we could say as well, they fought giants and defeated giants. But it was not because they were skilled in military affairs, but it was because there was a prophecy behind their lives. They went and shut the lion's mouth, not because they were skilled, but because there was a prophecy behind their lives. They were thrown into the fire, but they could never burn because there was a prophecy behind their lives. The devil wanted to take them out, but he couldn't take them out because the prophecy stood. And this morning I want to say, the devil wants to take you out, but I've got a news for him. He will never take you out because there is a prophecy behind your life. The devil will try to persecute you, but I'm here to tell you that it has never happened where God's prophecy behind the life of a believer ever failed. Are you still with me? When those words were uttered to Rebecca and said, Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, this morning I believe that my name was included in that prophecy. And it matters not where I go. It matters not what I'm about against. But there is one thing that I know. When all is said and done, I shall possess the gates of my enemies. Folks, I'm here to tell you that we are not going to be defeated. Victory is part of our DNA. Hallelujah. There is a prophecy behind our lives. The saints of the most high God shall receive a kingdom. This kingdom is not just a church movement, but it is a kingdom of the almighty God. Wherever it goes, it subdues other kingdoms. And maybe let me bring you and just to, so that you understand the significance of the gaze. If I could have, uh, I don't know whether is it, here it is. In the, if you can just turn the fan around. In the Old Testament, we, we know that the gates, a lot happened at the gates. When Boaz redeemed Ruth, he did it at the gate. So that means redemption took place at the gate. Hallelujah. When, I think it was when David wanted to take Hosea's wife, if you remember very well, he said to Hosea, you need to go to your house. And he never went to the house. He went by the gates and sat at the men by the gates. Because at the gate, it was a place where you received counsel. That is where matters were being adjudicated for or where matters were settled for if there was a dispute. Are we together? It was a place of justice. It was a place of advice. It was a place of rest. It was a place of redemption. That's what a gate signified. Now, you could never in the olden days take the city without possessing the gate of the city. The gate 
signified power. The gate signified dominion. Now, when you look there in the book of Nehemiah, we find that there were Jerusalem had 12 gates. And I just want to show you the significance of the gates as we move along. There was a gate called the Sheep Gate. Hallelujah. There was a gate that was called the Fish Gate. There was a gate called the Valley Gate. And there was a gate called the Dung Gate. And there was a gate called the Fountain Gate and the water gate, and the house gate, and the east gate, and the inspection gate. Hallelujah. These gates represented something here. And I looked at them and I said, these gates, because we re- you must remember the Old Testament was a shadow of the New, the Old Testament was a shadow of the New Testament. Are we together? The sheep gate, it signified that For you to come into the kingdom, you had to accept Christ as a personal savior. You had to accept that there is a perfect sacrifice that God had offered for your sins. Are we together? Through these gates, I'm just going to take you through the seven church ages you will see. When you look at the fish gate, the fish gate If you remember, I mean, I can just pull a scripture where Christ called them and said, I will no longer make you the the fishers of fish. I will make you the fishers of men. It speaks about discipleship. Are we together? So after you have entered in, then you come into the discipleship. The old gate, it speaks, the Bible says, remove not the ancient landmarks. Hallelujah. It speaks about the apostolic faith. Are you still with me? It speaks about the apostolic teachings. It speaks about apostolic foundation. Hallelujah. And when you come, there is a gate called the Valley Gate. The Valley Gate, it is during the Dark Ages where Rome killed 68 million Christians where millions of believers perish based on what they believed in. Are you still with me? Now, there is a dung gate. After the persecution, we know the devil introduced, and I had much better say it, a wrong doctrine in the kingdom of God is like a dung. Hallelujah. A dung is when they introduced things like pejitari, there's a lot of things that they introduced to Mary, the mother of God, all that nonsense that was introduced during the Dark Ages. But after the Dark Ages, there was another gate called the Fountain Gate. When it speaks about fountain, it speaks about a beginning of life. It speaks about the age of Reformation when people like Luther Wesley came and preached the gospel and pulled the people out of man-made systems. Then the second, the other one, is a gate called Watergate. How many believe that water signifies life? It speaks about an age of the fullness of the weight. 
That is our age after the fullness of the weight had come during our time. Are we still with me? But after our age, there's going to be horse gate, which means power. Horse beast means power. This age is when, after we are gone, the tribulation will set in. Are you still with me? And after the tribulation has set in, after the tribulation, then there is another gate called the East Gate. The Bible says, or Brother Brenham says, the battle of Armageddon will be fought at the gates of Jerusalem. It speaks about the beginning of millennium. And after the East Gate, there's going to be an inspection age gate, which is the White Throne Judgment. Are you together? I think I've just taken you through what it meant in terms of the gates during that time. Amen. I said to the gates, if you want to note it down, Christ as the door, fish gate, discipleship, old gate, apostolic faith, before the Nasir era, very gate, the dark ages, dung gate, false doctrines, fountain gate, reformation ages, water gate, fullness of the weight, horse gate, tribulation period, East Gate, Millennium, Inspection Gate, Throne of Judgment. Those are the gates that I wanted to show you. But I'm not on these gates this morning. I'm on the enemy's gates. When it says, even you this morning, you've got gates. Hallelujah. You've got gates that you must possess. Or before... I come to your personal gates. Jesus, in this scripture, if I read this scripture, just a sec. Amen. Let's just read the book of Matthew, I think verse 16. Just leave it as it is there on the screen. The book of Matthew 20, uh, 16, verse 13. He found it written this manner. When Jesus came into the courts of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say I, the Son of Man, am? Then said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others Jeremiah's, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barajona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A gate symbolizes, before I come to this gate, just a sec. I mean, I'll con- don't worry, it's me that switched it off so that you must not be distracted by the screen. I'll bring it back. Amen. Where when it says thou, that I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Because a gate, you can never open the gate unless you've got a key to open the gate. Hallelujah. What it simply means, there's got to be a key, there's got to be a gate, and a gate behind the gate, there is a stronghold. And behind a stronghold, there is a city. So for you to take over the city, you've got to first possess the gate. And after you have to possess the gate, you have to make sure that you dismantle the strongholds. And after you have dismantled the strongholds, then you possess the city. Hallelujah. So the city, it de- how the city is protected, it depended as to who was at the gate. Hallelujah. The gate represented an access to the city. And it represented the control of the city. But the Bible says this morning, we've got to go and possess the gates. And this morning, there are, there are quite different gates that I'm going to speak about that we've got to possess. But before we come to that, let's listen to what Brother Brenham says in this message. Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy, paragraph 29. What are we afraid about? The prophet says, what are we afraid about? He says, possess the gates. We have God's promise. We have his weight. We have his Holy Spirit. The angels are encamped about. Everything is in order. Every wall can be taken down. How many believe that this morning? That every wall can be taken down. He actually says, it's already taken down. The Son of God goes before us. His banners are waving. There is nothing that can stand in the way of a saint going to meet a promise of God. Death cannot stop it. Do you believe that the gate of hell or of death was possessed? Do you believe that, believers? The grave can't stop it. Do you believe that the gate of grave was possessed? The devil cannot stop it. We are more than conquerors. Sickness is conquered for you, friends. Death is conquered for you. Unbeliever, won't you receive him? Habits have been conquered for you. Temptation have been conquered for you. You say I've got temper, can't get over it. Hear me out, it's conquered. He has already conquered the great final seat of Abraham. There is no more conquering to do. He is conquered for us. This morning, this battle that we are fighting has already been won. The enemy that we are fighting against has already been defeated. All we are here to do is to possess the enemy's gates. And hear me out, believers. The difference between the Joshua generation and the Moses generation, the Moses generation recited what they knew, but they were not possessors. They moved around and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But when the Joshua generation arose, they were not interested in just moving around aimlessly. They wanted to get over and possess the land. 
And I'm saying God is raising the Joshua's of the hour. And you had much better believe that you are one of the Joshua's of the hour. The people that will possess every inch of the ground. Are you here, believers? We are not going to judge you based on how many quotations of the prophet you know. But we are going to judge by the results that you get in knowing those quotations. What I'm simply saying, let us just not be readers. But let us be possessors. Let us just not be church members. But let us go and possess every inch of the ground. Because it has already been granted unto us. How many believe that and how many can say amen to that? The land is yours. It's already given out. You've got to stand up and go and possess the land. But it needs people that are determined. It needs people that are courageous. It needs people that know what they are entitled for. And I want to say, every gate this morning can be possessed. Why am I saying that? Because there is a promise. And God's promise shall never fail. How many believe that? God's promise shall never fail. If God said it, believe it, accept it, it shall be so. Hallelujah. And I'm, I believe this morning I'm speaking to a seed of Abraham. And, and how would you know that you are a seed of Abraham? Because it's not something that you just hear in your eardrums and jump up and down and say, I'm the seed of Abraham. No, say. There's got to be a vindication that you are indeed a seed of Abraham. Abraham, in, during his time, we see him when God came down, as we spoke on Wednesday on who's this Melchizedek, he met Melchizedek. And every seed of Abraham shall meet Melchizedek. Are you here with me? The seed of Abraham shall meet God in flesh. The seed of Abraham shall receive a communion. Because their father received a communion. The seed of Abraham will call things that are not there as though they are there. Oh, maybe you had much belief in that one. Hallelujah. If there is no job, and the stats say there is no job, a seed of Abraham will say, there is a job for me. I don't know where it will come from, but I know it is there. And they will behave like they already have it, even before they have it. And the people will call them fanatics, but they don't know that the laws of faith, how the laws of faith operate. The laws of operate, you celebrate even before you get it. Hallelujah. If God spoke it, I've already received it. And actually I can say this morning, you have raptured. And the rapture has not taken place. You have raptured. If God said it, consider it done. Are you here this morning? I hope you are with me. Now, Brother Branham says, in this message, the super sign, paragraph 125, he says, what did these others do? They possessed the gates of lions. Stay with me here. When God spoke to Abraham and said, thy seed shall possess the gates of its enemies, here is what I believe. 
And that's what the prophet confirms. Wherever they go, that pillar of fire will be there. Wherever they go, because Brother Branham says, when they threw Daniel into the lion's den, he said the same pillar of fire that led the Israelites out of Egypt, it was in the lion's den, and it shut the lion's mouth. And uh, Brother Branham says, wherever this message is going to be preached, that pillar of fire is going to be there. And I want to say, wherever the seed of Abraham will be, that pillar of fire will be there. This pillar of fire is not just only in a church environment. It can go to the school. It can go to your place of work. And it can help you to possess the gate wherever you go. This pillar of fire is with the bride wherever they go. And you are much better be conscious that it is there. You can say, Lord, I don't see it, but I believe it is there. It will open the ways for you. It will bring the devil under your subjection. But you've got to have the faith of Abraham. I hope you're with me here. He says, they possessed the gates of lions. The gates of fire. The gates of the sea. The gates of the city. Everywhere they came, they were able to possess the gates because they were promised. When it came to death, they all had to die. Let's put it this way. Now he speaks about the Messiah that never died. When David, David was just a little bit boy, ragged looking, out there, no one noticed him, a young shepherd boy. And as he was there, later the brothers had gone to the battle to fight in the battle. And after they had gone to the battle, then the father said to David, maybe you need to take these loaves of bread and take it to your brothers there. Maybe they might be hungry wherever they are. Even the father did not know the significance of David in the battle that was being fought. He looked at him and he saw a lunch boy. But when God looked at David, he saw more than a lunch boy. People can look at you and undermine you, but don't rely on what they are looking at. It depends on what he is looking at. And he said to David, go, go. And David took the loaves of bread and went up and went to the brothers. When he got there, he found that the nation had been held at a ransom by the enemy. And when he got there, goodness, Goliath had a filled day. He had all sorts of insults from their forefathers to God to earth. He cast everything. But the whole nation was gripped by fear. Wherever you see believers being gripped by fear, you must know that faith has left them. Because fear and faith can never coexist. Are you here, believers? If you are fearful, that means you've got no faith. When you've got faith, you become courageous. Are you with me here? And if you've got faith, you are not afraid of anything that the devil can make. Now, when David came there, 
A man that did not have an experience, had no military experience, all he had known was to head the ship as he grew up. But when he got into the battle zone, it's quite amazing that sometimes people can belong in the message and know every quotation and every paragraph, but yet when it comes to the battle zone, they fail. But God can take somebody who doesn't even know where that quotation is, but come and leave that quotation. I'm not looking at the letter, I'm looking at the spirit, because spirit gives life. When David came into the battle zone, he found that the whole nation had been held at a ransom. And this man was busy casing. And as David walked into the war zone and looked at Goliath, as he was busy casing up and down, David looked at Goliath, and the Bible says, he, the prophet says, he had an indignation, holy anger. He said, no, this does not look normal. The scene does not look normal. He looked at the army of Israel and remembered how God had led them through the Red Sea. He looked at the army of Israel and remembered how the walls of Jericho came crumbling down. He looked at the army of Israel and remembered testimony after testimony. And the picture seemed not right. And he looked and he said, he asked and said, what is happening? Why is this uncircumcised Philistine busy casting the army of the law of the God of Israel? I can imagine some might have said, shh, don't make a lot of noise. This man, he might even point us out. Even the brothers quietened down David. But David did not want to accept things for what they are. And I believe the prophecy that God had given to Abraham, it is the one that stirred the heart of David and said, no, something is not right. And he asked, and they said, no, quieten down. But he, he asked, and they say, quieten down. But he said, no, 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 no. I can leave, not leave it as it is. I want to go and take this man head on. And they brought David to Saul. And Saul looked at David and looked at him and undermined him. He looked at him and he saw a little boy. He must have felt pity for him. But David said, I'm going there. But Saul says, before you go there, here is a military regalia. Put on this armor. Put, take this sword and go and meet him. And after he had put on the armaments or the armor of Saul and moved down, he felt that something was not right. Because when he met the bear, he did not have that shield of Saul. When he met the lion, that sword was not there. The slingshot was there. Always stay with something that was tested. The word will defeat the enemy at the Red Sea. Will defeat the enemy at Jericho. Will defeat the enemy in the lion's den. Will defeat the enemy in the fire. Will defeat the enemy anywhere, anytime, under any condition. It is proven, folks. Then he looked and said, no, 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 no. I will not go 
he came back and gave it back to him. And he moved down and he took his slingshot. A man of faith. He looked at the enemy. The enemy was protected. He had brass all over. Somebody looked at Goliath and saw protection. But David looked at Goliath and saw that brass. There was a brazen serpent where God judged sin. Brass means judgment. This man has already been judged. How many times has he been doing this? 40 days. 40 is the number of judgment. The enemy has been judged. And he came down to meet the enemy with a slingshot. He took five stones and put them into the sling. And he marched towards the enemy. He did not know where the enemy was exposed. But he knew the same God that made me overcome the lion. The same God that made me overcome the pain. He is the same today as I meet Goliath. He took the five stones and put them into the slingshot and began to move until when Goliath looked at David, he was agitated. This boy, who does he think he is? Don't you have a man? But let me tell you something. It's not the size of the battle of the dog that matters. It is the size of the battle in the dog. God will always support the underdogs. Hallelujah. People that are despised, downtrodden people. That's God. The very people that God picks up and says, I will back up that man. I will back up that woman. As he came, he put the first stone into the slingshot and began to wave them. As he waved them and released them. And all those stones, they were off target. As they were stone hanging in the air, but yet in motion. Then the promise that God made to Abraham. The promise that God made to Rebecca. It came upon one of the stones. And redirected the stone that was off target. And before we knew it, the stone came back. And God knew where the enemy was exposed. There was a small space on the forehead. And God directed the stone right on the forehead. And Goliath was down. Are you here, folks? But it was not a stone that killed Goliath. It was not a sling that killed Goliath. It was a prophecy. Thy seed shall possess the gates of its enemies. Goliath had to come down. Hallelujah. And before we knew it, he was down. And this morning, even in the morning, I want to say to you, I don't care what Goliath is before you. What you've got to do, you've got a slingshot. You've got to wave the slingshot. You've got to swing the slingshot. Don't worry about where the stone will land. You've got to release the stone. The Holy Spirit will take over one of your stones and the enemy will come down. Not because you're a better better person, but because there is a prophecy behind your life. Let thy seed possess the gates of its enemies. And I say, this is a season where we need to go and possess. 
If he spoke it, I believe it. It's our promise, folks. Are we still with me? Amen. Let me bring this one up. Okay, I took it. Just a sec. Okay. Starting the service from the beginning. Amen. The Bible says, You shall not worship God at any of thy gates, but you shall go to the gate that the Lord has chosen to place his name, and there you shall worship him. We've got these gates this morning. Hallelujah. The gate of sight. And I want to say this to you, brothers. The devil in the end time, he has made things accessible to us that were never accessible in days past. I've got this thing here. It can be a good tool, but it can be a devil's tool. And I want to say this to you, brother. There's never been a time where pornography is as readily as available like in our time. Our cell phones, our iPads, and our laptops They've got things that are moving there. And let me tell you something. Pornography is an addiction. I'm speaking to brothers. Will you bear with me for a few minutes, sisters? It's an addiction. Because it thrives on a perverted, it's, it thrives on a lust. If you can be exposed to a pornographic material, it hits your subconscious mind. To take that image out of your mind can take years. Are we together? So this is one of the gates. I hope, I thought you would say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This is one of the gates that we've got to possess. What we look at. Hallelujah. And just check. Just check what is on your computer. Just check what are you consuming on the internet. It may be the very thing that makes you to live a less victorious life. And I I will put it for what it is. It can even destroy your marriage. Young men, it can destroy you even before you get into marriage. Stay away from that filth. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. Another gate is a gate of hearing. You hear something, but it never leaves your subconscious mind. You've got to guard as to what you listen to. Hallelujah. Brother Brenham says, he used to refer to uh, rock and roll, but today I refer to hip-hop. Three minutes of listening to hip-hop can take your child down the path for many years that it may be, may be difficult to bring them back. Three minutes listening to hip-hop without the Holy Ghost, 
you'll never come out being the same. How many believe that music has got spirits? Hallelujah. And, some, and we'd much better say it, even some of the gospel music have got spirits. And maybe I need to say and slot it right here, brethren. Before we check this music and sing this music, sometimes we've got to check whether the, the inspiration behind music. Don't just go into Kumbuk and say that is the music. It may be a demon-possessed CD that will come and mess up your family, mess up your children. But this morning I say, we are possessing the gate of music. We will take the wrong music out of our houses. Even if it is preaching about Jesus. I'll get an amen on that one. While I'm at it, let me just dismantle it. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, we, 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 there, are, there are some songs that are not sung by believers, but are inspired. The song that says there is a fountain filled with blood, it was not sung by a message believer. A man committed suicide after he had sung the song. It's a beautiful song. The prophet sang it. But you've got to have discernment. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I mean, for, I don't know whether I will preach my likes or dislikes this morning. But there are some gospel artists in this country. They irritate me. Yeah. Even when I look at them, I, I, I say, this is not a gospel. I even heard another one. They were asking him and say, but you are singing gospel music, but you are living this kind of life. He says, you must remember this is business. Amen. Amen. I'm not a fan of KK. I think the boy is devil possessed. If you love him, I'm very sorry. But there's something is a twisted young man. Is it? Yes, we can say it. Brother Bremen spoke about Elvis. Is it Lundi? What's that? If you've got that, Anna. I'm saying it for what it is because some of the problems that you believers have with your children, with yourself in your marriages, is because you listen to the wrong stuff. And when the pastor says it, you get offended. But let me offend you. It may sound like a gospel, but it may, it is of the table. You must have the discernment to check whether it is right. You know well, Eric, don't forget the devil was a better singer in heaven. Amen. And let me tell you, he has not quit the career. He's still busy with music today. Amen. And he prefers gospel music than any other music. But I thank God that the prophet came. And believers have got spiritual discernment. Amen. Amen. Yes, you can buy it, but have a discernment. Check what? Goodness. It's a joyous celebration. Well, today I'm going to offend people. <laughs> bear with me. How, how do you say it's a gospel music? And you bring a chap like Somizu. Yes. Where's gospel in that? David, 
Yes, they ask Lindeland Mkise, they say, and Tlongwane and say, what do you think? They say, you must remember, Joy's celebration is not a church, it's a talent show. There may be some songs that are a blessing, but I'm saying you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. What you hear, what you hear. Maybe let me go there. I think I moved quickly here on site. Believers, today you'll bear with me. Television is still of the devil. And it will be of the devil as long as we are here. Hallelujah. I told another brother, say, if you can tell me that the television is, uh, is off underwear, there you'll have a big amen. But people don't want to go there. You, sometimes you've got to, when you are, you are under demonic attack, and let me explain what is a demonic attack. If there is a pattern in your life, or a, a particular challenge, or even in the family, maybe great-grandmother had gone through divorce, you are going through, your, grand, your father went through a divorce, you are going through a divorce. It's a pattern in the family. It's a, it reflects a demonic attack. If there is a sickness in your house, your grand-grandfather had this sickness, your grandfather had this sickness, you've got this sickness, it's a demonic attack. Amen. I'm saying if there is a, a pattern, this one in, in, in his family, he had money, he lost it, you've got money. You know, some people, they just lose money. Hallelujah. And you lose money. It may be a demonic attack that is financial in the family. But you, because you are a message believer, we are here to empower you to break those curses in the family. But I cannot help you to break them unless I become honest with you. Sometimes things that we watch, if you watch what your great-grandmother watched, and you watch what your father watched, and what you are watching, you will have the same vulnerability. But you've got to change what you listen to. You've got to change what you watch. You've got to change what you say. Then it brings, it changes your environment. Are you here? Don't say because mama loved Susie. Daddy loved Susie. And you love Susie. The same demon that he had, you are going to have. I don't know whether, are you with me? Amen. Yes, I know. Sometimes with TV, they say, yeah, I'm rude, you've got diabetes. It's more, even more dangerous. Yes, it depends. There's discipline. Hallelujah. There's control. Hallelujah. I hope you are with me. This, these are the gates that we've got to possess. Hallelujah. And if, if you have not possessed these gates, you will not be an overcome. You've got, you've got to possess them. Hallelujah. Because behind these gates, either is God controlling 
or it is the devil controlling. But if it is God controlling, your life will show that is God controlling. It will be a life of possession. It will be a life of victory. And a life of victory is easy to see, brethren. A life of easy a life a life of victory has got results. A life of faith produces works of faith. And if you want to check whether you've got faith, check at the works in your life. And a lot of times that's why I say, goodness, I see a lot of people with closed Bible that they only read on Sunday is closed the whole week, but they expect that the God of the Bible can bless them. Let me tell you something. Those that he blesses are those that read it every day. A Bible is not a Sunday book. It's an everyday book. Where you go and dig into the word. The more you get into the word, the more the word gets into you. And if you are not getting into the word, the word will never get into you. Are you here, believers? The more you get into the message, the message gets into you. The more you get into God, God gets into you. What are you getting into this morning? And if you miss church, you can never be a victim. Never, never, never. And I want to say it. Every time there is church and you are not in church and it's not a legitimate reason, all demons that we say, because when we preach the word, we cast out demons. And, that, and some get very offended. And get very angry. And they move around. Guess where they're going to go? They're going to look at the one that was supposed to be here. But is not here. And you are sitting there, you are relaxing. A demon that got offended at church has left church and has gone to visit you. Goodness, God is not going to protect you. David would have never fallen with Bathsheba if David was in the battle. David was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Never be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Always be at the right place at the right time. If God is in church, go to church. Sometimes believers in modern age have got no results because their commitment is too lukewarm compared to the believers in the yesteryear. The yesteryear believers were committed and it cost them their own life, but they were not moved. They were not moved. They faced the life, they faced the swords. Some of them were beheaded, but they will never be shaken. They believe in God, they were steadfast, and they had the result. If you want the same result, bring the same commitment. You can't have a student that comes twice a year at school and expect that he's going to achieve distinctions. No, say. It is those that are there daily. It is those that go to the teacher and say, I did not understand yesterday. I did not understand today. Those will achieve the result. The same with believers. Those that go to God daily and say, God, today I'm going at such a place. I need you. A lot of believers don't pray anymore. Prayer is God. How are you going to possess without prayer? Hallelujah. And prayer, I'm not just saying words that you just utter in passing. 
And listen, we pray less, but we've got more demons that we are fighting than the people in yesteryears. Those didn't have challenges that we have today. Their children did not go to the kind of schools that our children go to. But yet they spend time in prayer. We are not spending time in prayer and we expect that we will have deliverance. No, sir. We've got to be dedicated and mean business and show the devil that we mean business. Then we will possess. Schools are the gates that are possessing our children. We send them to school and they are gone forever. And then when they return, they are strangers. But this morning, the bride of Jesus Christ will not fold her arms. This morning, the bride of Jesus Christ will not become a victim of the modern age era. The bride of Jesus Christ will rise up and go and possess the gates of their enemies. And say, God, I'm sending them to school, but I'm sending them not only alone. Not with pocket money, but above pocket money, the pillar of fire. The pillar of fire. Let it be in that class. Let it be on that school playground. Do we do that, believers? Do we do that, believers? Or we just send them? We are more worried about the pocket money than whether they have gone with God to school. After they've gone, sisters, some of you, you're not working. I don't, say, I don't say you don't do anything. I've realized that actually <laughs> being a housewife is more challenging than being a man that goes to work. Yes, I've seen it. It's very challenging. There's a lot going on. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be one for a day. I won't survive. I've got no capacity to survive. Don't ever think that because your wife is not going to work, is not doing anything. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. But yet, sisters, while you are at home, pray for your husband. How many demons do they meet in workplaces? But if they've got... A woman that is praying at home. Hallelujah. That sends a prayer after the husband. No demon will stand before that husband. What I'm saying, for us to possess, we've got to go and reestablish certain family ordinances in our families and make sure that the family altars are restored. And when they are restored, then we can claim victory on every ground where our foot steps on. Are you here, brothers? Amen. Don't just worry that he's going to make money. He may never come back. Yes, sisters, it's much better. There are many women that are after your husband. Even if you think he's useless. Some women, they think, my husband is too useless. There's not even a man, woman that can want my husband. No. We live in a twisted generation. But when, when your prayer goes after him, wherever, wherever he goes, he just irritates this twisted modern era, Jezebel, and they don't know. That man irritates me. 
that not only it's not him, it's your prayer at home. They look at him and they get irritated because he's a son of God. We are not going to leave this world like we are. Our marriages will be sorted out. Can I get an amen here? Our marriages are going to be sorted out. Our children are going to be sorted out. Our health is going to be sorted out. Every area of our life is going to be sorted out. Because we are the children of Abraham. Yes. So sometimes when they retrench your husband, sister, it's not because maybe. Maybe God wants to move him. There is some other Jezebel that is after him. Because all things work out for good to them that? Yes. Every fo- the footsteps of the righteous are ordered? Yes. When God sees that his son is in danger and you are praying for his son, he moves the son out of that environment. He may not understand it, but is God migrating him? Are you with me here? Amen. See, brothers are not aiming. They look like they are shocked. Yes, sister, you must pray until he, wherever he goes, they, he gets, they get irritated. I went at Logamo, live here. That is your prayer waking. Say, so that's my husband. I lay a claim on him. He's mine. I thought I'll get an email from sister. Oh, you must protect your personal property. Your husband is your personal property. You must say that he's mine. And uh, you young men that have not married, I must give you a tip. If you can marry the right woman, you've already, already won half of life's battles. If you marry the wrong one, you've already lost half of life's battles. No, there's a single brother that says it's true. <laughs> Amen. He said he said it's true. Are we together? Amen. Your wife is an asset. Do you know that if you mistreat your wife, your prayers will, will hit the roof? God is not going to answer you. And, and ah, goodness, today you allow me to preach. Let me preach. Some people, this message is vast. We've got a lot of things that we are preaching. But some men, the only thing that they've had in from the seals, from the serpent seed, from rapture, from they've just heard that a man is the head of the house. That's the only thing that converted to them. And those ones are holy on Sunday, but they will from Monday to Friday mistreating their wives. Let me say, if you mistreat your wife, God is not going to hear your prayer. You must treat her like a daughter of a king. Then God will see you as his son. And it starts by living right for him. For her. Even though she's not there. Amen. I've gone fainted. I understand. Amen. It involves living right. For him. When a man lives right for God and lives right for his wife, 
there's not even a single plan that will fail. I'll repeat that so that you can, if there's one thing that you need to jot down, if a man is faithful to God and is faithful to his wife, no plan that you will ever make will fail. Even if you can say, I want to go to Mass and do something, it will be done. Because God respects such men because they are a rare breed in the end time. They are a scarcity in the end time. Men of honor. Men of integrity. Men whose daughters look up them and say, if I get married, I want a husband like my daddy. He's an upright man. He's a man that leads his family. He's a man that prays for his family. Even demons know they cannot come to my house because daddy is right with God. We need such men in the end time. And I'm here to confirm the ministry of William Brethren can produce such men. And can produce such women. Our women are special. Hallelujah. And don't think, brother, because she can never run away. You've got many scriptures. They say, no matter what I do, she will never go anywhere. That's a reckless attitude. That should never be expected from the Son of God. Son of God respects her. Does not treat her like a doormat. Talks to her like a son. Ah, goodness, I've long been in this message. I understand what I'm talking about. I've seen brothers in church, they jump up and down. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Pastor is true. Amen. After the service, God bless. The seal is open. The seven, the, the, the mighty angel came down. When they get home, they kick their wives. What's that? Who are you misleading? No. Real salvation begins in your household. When they look at you and they see a high priest of the family and they know this man is an intercessor. Then you possess the gaze of unemployment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brethren, we cannot say God is a Jehovah Jireh and be leaky. No, 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 no. If he said it, I believe it and I must leave it. I must become that verse. Jehovah Jireh. And don't ever think that when you live a leaking life, it resignifies spirituality. No, 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 no. David says, God, don't give me enough so that I may not forget you. But don't make me lag so that I can become a thief. He was looking that God must provide for his needs. And in this hour, brethren, economies are collapsing. They're going to collapse. If they bring Trump or Hillary Clinton, both of them are goodness. They are just the same. He said that there's one devil which is a male, another one which is a female. But both of them are a devil. Anyhow, the devil is coming into the White House. But what is going to happen is that the economies are going to crumble. But I'm not worried. I'm not worried whether Zuma arrests Previn Gordon and whether the rain falls. No, sir. Because my economy is not managed by Previn Gordon. My economy is managed by the Almighty God. 
And the Almighty God says, Ask, you shall receive. Ask, you shall receive. Yes, brother. Businesses can close, not yours. Do you believe that? Say, not mine. Not mine. Children can go astray, not mine. Things can get bad, but not my environment. Why? Because you are a seed of Abraham. And Abraham was not a beggar, folks. God provided for his needs. Abraham never avoided a private call. If he did, he would have missed Melchizedek. God is a provider. And I think we need to start possessing every inch of the ground. But you know why? Maybe you'll, you'll be amazed, some of you, and I will say, it may sound, I don't know how it will sound, but I feel led to say it. Amen. When you are a church, and God wants to take you somewhere, he will realign things. He will move people in. He will move others out. Because he wants to take you somewhere. Jesus, when he prayed, before he could pray for another sick child, he said, he asked everybody to leave and remained with believers, with disciples. Are you with me here? Because some people, they think that we need only to preach about New Jerusalem. But let me tell you something. As much as I believe in the New Jerusalem, I need God to provide for my needs tomorrow, which is Monday morning. So that I cannot become a crook in the community. Where I owe people and I run away from them. But yet I say I'm going to the new Jerusalem. No, I need a balance. Because why? He said to Abraham, thy seed shall be as like the stars of heaven. Spiritually speaking. And thy seed shall be like the, the sand. Naturally speaking. Are we together? So the blessing of Abraham will go naturally will go spiritually. And no message believers will never say amen to that. Amen. Amen. But you agree with me? Amen. 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 There's a sick child, but we we rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Are we together? So we need to possess every inch of the ground and have, be people that have results. And God will bless us. Amen. And some of you, you wonder why I love Zimbabwe. It's because believers there, the economy crumbled, but they never crumbled. They tapped into another economy. And I say, if they can do it, you can do it. God bless you richly as we stand up.
precious eternal heavenly father prophet taught us heavenly father that when this song has been sung Lord, that the angel of the lord likes this song only believe only believe father the father reminds us of what the bible says heavenly father that we must have faith like children yes. Heavenly Father, that all things are possible, Heavenly Father. Mighty Jesus, that's what we have learned, Almighty God, that this is the season of possessing, Lord. Heavenly Father, that we may claim everything, Heavenly Father, that belongs to us, Heavenly Father. Mighty Jesus, this afternoon we stand here, Almighty God, we say, Heavenly Father, all that belongs to us, Heavenly Father. If it's healing, Almighty God, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we claim it, Lord. Heavenly Father, if it's job, Heavenly Father, we say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we claim it, Lord. Heavenly Father, if it's success, any other thing, Almighty God, we pray, Heavenly Father, that there is nothing, nothing really impossible with you, Heavenly Father. Mighty God, let it not be something that we speak, something that we talk about, Heavenly Father. Let it be something that sticks down in our subconscious, Heavenly Father. That is deep down from our heart that really, Heavenly Father, everything is possible with you, Almighty God. Heavenly Father, we pray for each and every individual that came under this roof, Heavenly Father. If there is anyone, Almighty God, doesn't know you as his Savior, Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you may make yourself known, Heavenly Father. There is anyone that is sick and afflicted, Heavenly Father. I say by thy stripes we are healed, Heavenly Father. Not that we will be healed or Heavenly Father, but we are already being healed, Heavenly Father. So we must just stand here and claim, Heavenly Father, that is our possession, Heavenly Father. Mighty God, we say, Heavenly Father, this morning, Almighty God, oh, bless each and everything, everyone, Heavenly Father, with all the spiritual blessings, Heavenly Father. Amen. The all belongs to us, Almighty God. Heavenly Father, we know you know thy children, Heavenly Father. You know their needs before they can speak, Heavenly Father. You can read in their hearts, Almighty God. Heavenly Father, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may give each and every one accordingly, Almighty God. Heavenly Father, we know, Almighty God, as we go out here, Almighty Jesus, Heavenly Father, the devil will be there telling us all different things, Almighty God. Heavenly Father, may we meditate upon this way that we have had this morning, Lord. That, Heavenly Father, we are the seed of Abraham, Lord, that we may believe like him, Heavenly Father. That as he claimed, Heavenly Father, that he was a pilgrim and a stranger, Almighty God. He didn't claim to belong to this world, Heavenly Father. He was a pilgrim and a stranger. He was seeking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Heavenly Father, everything, Heavenly Father, Abraham was, Almighty God. As his seed, Heavenly Father, we are, Almighty God. Yes. We live in a different channel of this world, Almighty God. We believe in a different channel of this world, Heavenly Father. So we claim everything, Heavenly Father, that belongs to us. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Heavenly Father, we say, Almighty Jesus, even the pastor that spoke, Heavenly Father, this morning. Heavenly Father, we believe and we know that it wasn't him, Heavenly Father. It was not his His wisdom and his mind, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, he took from thee and then he gave unto us as thy children, Almighty God. 
bless him abundantly, Heavenly Father. Almighty God, we say as we are going to depart from this place, Heavenly Father, going to different places, Almighty God. Heavenly Father, we are asking for a traveling mercy that you protect us until we meet again, Almighty Jesus. We pray, Heavenly Father, we commit everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and all the church shall say, Amen. Amen.